0: Welcome to the Liturgist Podcast. You are now listening to Black History is American History. I'm William Matthews. And hey, I'm Propaganda. I'm Nikki Black. And I'm Andre Henry. Today's Moment in Black History Brian Stevenson.
1: Brian Stevenson is an American lawyer, social justice activist, founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative, and a clinical professor at the New York University School of Law. Based in Montgomery, Alabama, Stevenson has challenged bias against the poor and minorities in the criminal justice system, especially children. He has helped achieve Supreme Court decisions that prohibit sentencing children under 18 to death or to life imprisonment without parole. Stephen has assisted in cases that have saved dozens of prisoners from the death penalty, advocated for the poor, and developed community-based reform litigation aimed at improving the administration of criminal justice. He was depicted in the 2019 legal drama Just Mercy, which is based on his memoir, Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption, which tells the story of Walter McMillan. He initiated the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, which honors the names of each of more than 4,000 African-Americans lynched in the 12 states from the South from 1877 to 1950. He argues that the history of slavery and lynchings has influenced the subsequent high rate of death sentences in the South, where it has been disproportionately applied to minorities. A related museum, the Legacy Museum, from enslavement to mass incarceration, offers interpretations to show the connection between the post-Reconstruction period of lynchings to the high rate of executions and incarceration of people of color in the United States. In November 2018, Stevenson received the Benjamin Franklin Award from the American Philosophical Society as a drum major for justice and mercy. This is the most prestigious award the society gives for distinguished public service.
0: So I was able to go to the premiere of Just Mercy and there was a Q&A there moderated by Yara Shahidi and it was Jamie Foxx and Brian Stevenson himself. Afterwards, they hosted a little cocktail party and everyone actually hung out like Jamie was there and you know cast directors, lots mm-hmm. of people. And so Brian Stevenson walked up to me and my friend and I just got to shake his hand and say thank you for what you've done. And I asked him what he thought about his faith and how his faith kind of informed his view on retributive or restorative justice. And it it turns out, I mean, he's a Christian, but it turns out his view of the constitution, his view of the penal code was like, we should be seeking to restore people, not to simply punish them retributively. And to me that came across in the film so well is it's really much an anti-death penalty film. And I I don't think I've seen a film that has so clearly made the case for why the death penalty is inhumane. And so a guy like Bryan Stevenson, I just celebrate, because I'm like, he's helping not just get people off death row, he's helping awaken our moral imagination.
2: Because we've said it a bunch of times, restorative or intributive, like if we could just, for the record, define what we mean by that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked on the last episode about Angela Davis and recognizing how punitive and retributive, which is a type of vengeful revenge that punishes people for long periods of time for very oftentimes very finite crimes. And whether it's drug possession, even distribution, uh, many nonviolent offenders are either experiencing a very punitive system and they're not getting any rehabilitation. And so, yeah, restorative meaning to make whole. To restore to one's sense of self.
3: Yeah. Not just for the individual, but for the community.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's that's so the beauty. That's
3: the thing because when we incarcerate people, we take them out of communities. Mm-hmm. When we incarcerate people, we incarcerate parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We take them away from their children. Yeah. You know, so it affects whole communities when people are locked up. And then it creates an undue burden. The carceral system, as it functions right now, with all of its fees and fines, and it it creates this undue burden for people. People often use the example of like you know you get a ticket, you can't pay it, then it inflates in price, mm-hmm. and then eventually you know your car is impounded or whatever, your license is taken away. Now you're driving without a license. Now you're you know more likely to yeah. you know no, get in trouble for that, or for you it, can't yeah. go to work, or you can't. So it's just this this ripple effect. Mm -hmm. that happens as a result of oftentimes being poor. And the conversation that we need to be having is, and I've used this word a lot probably, but a radical, a radical conversation, meaning that we are not addressing the symptoms, but we're looking at the root cause. Mm -hmm. So, okay, why is crime happening? Mm. (laughs) Like, why is crime happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And then address why crime is happening. And then at the same time, look at, The behavior of people within prisons and then once they get out. The reality is that recidivism is very low, specifically for murder. Mm. Yeah. It has the lowest recidivism rate. If you murder somebody, you will probably not murder again. But we are socialized to uh, fear.
2: He's a murderer. Don't let him out. Serial killers and all of
3: these, you know, like so, but that's not real. That's not real. We don't even look at actual data. Mm-hmm. We don't look at actual human behavior. And the carceral system, as it is now, punishes people. And we know for a fact that people do not respond to that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whereas, like, for using your example, whereas, like, something like theft is usually because of poverty.
3: It's right. because I'm just yeah.
2: hungry. So when I get back out, I'm probably gonna go back in because I still don't have a job. I'm still poor. Right. And now I'm a con, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Now you so have a stamp. That's now I have a gonna stamp, so you just you made, made it harder. Yes. So you're just, you've, you've created a new criminals. So that's why I'm gonna go back because really I'm just hungry. But I think a, a good way to like, a real simple way to get your brain around like restorative and retributive and like how these things work is like, okay, so if I take $5 from somebody, the consequence is a punishment not give the five dollars back
3: right the, the punishment whole is part yeah
2: mm-hmm. the punishment is go sit over there right you understand know Iso- what i'm saying isolating you yeah, yeah whereas, you. Like, whereas like uh, logically speaking the response should be you need to give them their five dollars back and for their trouble give them five on top of that so i should like owe you 10 because again within a community that's your brother, that's your sister. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I need you to understand, num- number one, or or the idea like if we're community, like when we talk about community-based stuff, it's like, let's let the community decide. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, well, let's pull back and say, okay, so why did Johnny steal those $5? Like, hey, do y'all not have, y'all right, have no exactly. food? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, why didn't you just tell us, man? You know what I'm saying? Look, okay, here's how I will feel served. You come Thursday, you mow this lawn, you clean this thing, right. you do this, right. everything's good, right. you know what I'm saying? And you're still a member of my community. Exactly. Here, here's, here's $5 for you to feed your mom and your kids. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's, you've just, everyone in here has dignity, the perpetrator and the victim, and you're not just sitting in the corner because even if that's the case, it's like, you know, if somebody, like again, like somebody breaks into my house, is breaking and entering, you took my stuff, and my reward is he goes to jail? I'm right. like, no, my stuff is still gone. Right. right. Like, that's, that's not, not even- that's not even helping. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah, geez. and
3: that doesn't, yeah. So restorative justice. I have um, my only nephew was murdered when he was 19 back in 2010, and we we don't we don't have any suspects. There has not been an arrest. Mm. But one of the first things I thought about once it happened, and I love my nephew dearly. Seeing someone else go to jail doesn't bring him back. Right. That doesn't offer me anything. Yeah. Right. So what is the point of that? I would much rather change the systems that created the situation where this person felt so small that they wanted to harm someone else or that they wanted to honestly harm themselves Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. there's no such thing as other people. Mm-hmm. So if we start looking at ourselves as an extension of other people and other people as an extension of ourselves. So the thing about restorative justice, this is hard because you're not just asking for prison abolition. You're asking to change society Yeah, from yeah, entirely. It's,
0: it's about us, right? And our need to feel superior. They did yeah. something bad we're going to take control of this and we're right. going to put them over there. We're going to isolate them. We're going to mm-hmm. truthfully cause further harm to their soul, their psyche. I mean, look at our modern prison system and the mm-hmm. way it operates and the dangers that are that are inside of that system. The that abuses all, that the happen abuses, in,
1: in those the rape yeah, that happens.
0: yeah, I know
2: people specifically who, because of like, you know, 18 to 21 laws, you know what I'm saying? And like, and- Or three strikes you're out. Yeah, and- gang gang injunctions, you know what I'm saying? Like it, those things who were verifiably not a part of that life, but just got, because of mandatory minimums, had to go to prison. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this was, right. I was in the back seat yeah. getting a ride home yeah. from basketball practice. Right. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm in prison because of mandatory minimums and came out a criminal. He didn't right. go in a criminal, came right. out a criminal you right. know so like this that, that
1: is so messed up
3: yes
2: and, and i mean like i'm even crying thinking about it because it's like this is not, i'm not making any stories up where it's yeah, like yeah. judge being like you don't deserve this this is the lowest i can do i have to give you five years you know stuff like that to where he's just like i'm sorry young man you're in the wrong place at the wrong time that's there's a mandatory minimum and
1: it's like did. if that if that tough on crime carceral policy worked We'd already have a crime-free America now. By now, right. we right. we yeah. know it doesn't work. Yeah, and a, a part of the thing that is sticking out to me in this conversation, and it's something that Brian Stevenson is really uh targeting in his work, is the power of narratives on yeah. on on our society's imagination. You know, like <laughs> I have an irrational fear of mountain lions. When I say irrational, <laughs> I mean not like irrational. it doesn't make. <laughs> I mean, like it's like childish. It's like there is a mountain. There are lions there,
3: and you're not I'm in the not, mountains. I'm you just not. look at the mountain. Okay, I'm not. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. I'm not going
1: hiking. You're not in the mountain. Oh, if you live in the hills, I'm not visiting you. You visit me like, in the hills. I run to my car sometimes when I'm in the hills. <laughs> you guys just got to <laughs> like, peek. I just say it because I, it's irrational. But and so I remember talking to Science Mike about this, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "That's how fear works." It's like.
3: It, right it's not rational actually yeah. he goes that's,
1: that's how fear works <laughs> yeah. and i'm like that's the level that we're on though in yeah. our societal imaginations yeah. is that we have these narratives it doesn't matter if they make sense or not like mm. all the facts that we're talking mm-hmm. about and stuff like yeah. that that doesn't necessarily break through because the fact of the matter is i'm probably not going to encounter a mountain lion visiting william in hollywood yeah you know chances are slim yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah but but and it like, doesn't but yeah. it doesn't matter yeah
2: and even following your lot, following your point is like yeah Statistically speaking, you should have by now, right? Exactly, right. right? It's but it's, since you haven't, maybe you should let this go. Yeah, right. In the same way of like, st- like you said, statistically speaking, we should have eradicated crime, right? At this point, we should have eradicated, but we crime. have
3: like the largest prison <laughs> system the of most the, in the world. Yes, yeah, and yeah. and we manufacture prisons and we manufacture prisoners. That is actually what we make. We don't, yeah. Yeah. as a country, we don't make anything anymore. Mm. We, okay. make, we make entertainment, we make war, and we make prisons. That's Yeesh. all we produce.
2: We're the best.
3: We're the best. <laughs> We're like, oh, best. On
0: what metrics? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, Just Mercy is a book, but as well, the film highlights, you know, Walter McMillan and his story about mm-hmm. being wrongfully convicted and then put on death row. Mm-hmm. And it's like we already know the system often fails us. It yeah. gives us retributive justice, not restorative justice. And then it kills you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a a really, I think it's it's starting, people are starting to shift for the first time in America and become anti-death penalty. Like I've seen some polling recently. I think the majority of Americans now um, support
2: Life imprisonment.
0: Get, no, yeah, getting rid of the death penalty. Yeah. Um, finally. But we're still in especially some states use it so punitively, and then people of color are often the greatest victims yeah. from being wrongfully convicted and then
2: being put on death row for those convictions. So let me let me uh let me play the the but what about guy. And I just want oh. y'all to I just is want this, y'all to Is this nineteen year
0: old prop that saw Angela Davis? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I
2: just I want y'all to knock this down though, is like so the the immediate thing somebody's gonna go to, but what about a pedophile? Right. So, right. Well, what about them? Like, you want them on the streets next to your children? Like, what, what do you do with them?
3: I think that we have to be clear about the fact that abolishing prisons is a long, hard road. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we have to have a perspective that is equitable. Yeah. But ultimately, society is responsible for the way, largely responsible for the way that people show up. Yes and i think that we're just really not addressing what gives people the audacity to do certain things yes. and what empowers mm-hmm. them to do those things mm-hmm. so we first have to address that but i think that we don't want to address that because then if we do we will start to shine a spotlight on certain people mm-hmm. that don't want to relinquish their power yeah when we assign bad mm-hmm. to a person and good to another person then we we rob ourselves of the opportunity to properly address the harm yeah. that people can commit. When we label someone a monster, that's our way of othering them. That's mm. our way of disassociating ourselves from their behavior. We won't take responsibility for the fact, whatever we contributed to whatever you know, produced that situation. And then we're also not looking at ourselves because then we're able mm-hmm. to say, well, I'm a good person yes. and this person is a monster yes. and therefore untreatable. So it's dehumanizing.
0: God, it's so true. I mean, we don't give people hope. If somebody has an issue or a problem or a behavior that is hurtful, that is painful, that is physically harmful, we don't, we just, like you said, throw them away. Mm -hmm. We don't actually say, hey, let's help you work through this.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How did we get here? So yeah, it's it's the collective sense of responsibility. Because everything you're saying, right, I could easily hear, you know, somebody that probably leans conservative say, you guys are just making it all about, you know, society's problems and not people's personal responsibility. When the truth is, it's the collective love and action that is going to heal folks. Mm-hmm. That is us taking responsibility for the mm-hmm. world that we've created that is, and how that impacts people. And then we can actually look at people's like personal like responsibility yeah. and how that plays into how that partners together right, right. like mm-hmm. and but we can't even divorce that right if we're unwilling to look at the collective problem so yeah starting there but then also giving people hope to say you can be more than this behavior
1: you which could, is like something that Brian Stevenson says a lot you know and i mean he says it in his book he says it when he's speaking you know, that he really believes that people are more than the worst thing they've ever done. Mm. Yeah,
0: he says that. Mm.
1: And I think that, you know, the only way that restorative justice works is if we have that value, you know, underlying it in a society where we do, you know, we say, you did something unconscionable, right? And that's who he works with all the time. Yes,
2: and there's no erasure of
0: that. He's working with
1: people on death row. He's not saying like, you know, whatever they did was good or fine or okay. Some of them are guilty,
0: some of the crimes supposedly, and uh, some of them weren't. Right, you
1: know. So I got to interview Brian Stevenson a couple years ago. And when I asked him about that's what he said to me. He said, Andre, I work with people who have done unconscionable things. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe that people are more than the worst thing they've ever done. That's the only way that we can make the kinds of changes that we do is for is to be able to look at people even people who have caused harm and not say we're going to erase it it doesn't matter that you did it no we're going to take we're going to take that into account or we're going to figure out how do we make amends with those who are harmed without trying to throw the person every time we've talked about throwing someone away the thing that keeps coming to my mind and i do think about this a lot is if you're not executing the person like you're you're making that person live the rest of their life kind of trapped, either because of something that they did, or they were accused mm-hmm. of doing, or they were you know around when someone else did something. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing that I keep thinking, and maybe maybe it only makes sense to me, but the thing I've always said when I think about this is like, but that person still has to live though. When we mark people and we say like this is the only thing that's worth knowing about them, you know, it's like, but that person still has to live. And I don't know how people can live well under a stigma or under a label or under
2: and not only that like again going back to like the re- the restorative part like that doesn't whatever a considerable thing they did like you having that stigma doesn't heal my
1: hurt right
3: and it doesn't me. make us stronger cases, it
2: doesn't make me better that's not yeah in i some gain cases, nothing from you suffering
1: in some cases yeah. it's like if if you're gonna think that i'm a criminal anyway
2: yeah well forget it I I may as well well be a criminal
1: I may as well you know what I'm saying absolutely if you're not gonna give me any space to grow or evolve or change or whatever yeah then what's the you know you know what I'm saying and I'm not and I know some people who that that is how they feel you know
3: There's nothing in society that incentivizes people to modify and regulate their own behavior. There's nothing that incentivizes you to admit to any wrong that you may have done or any harm that you may have caused. Cause you know, if you admit to it, you're going to be punished. Forever, Forever. that's the only thing. So why would I?
2: Right. Mm.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Black History is American History.